Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I am the manager and host of the of the podcast um late night last night so <laughs> still still waking up here and, and getting rolling on a, a friday morning early friday morning but lot of stuff to talk about big news um you know really really the event of the off season here at least if you're a college basketball fan i i would say um yeah, yeah. I mean, the NBA draft is probably the biggest event um, once the season ends. If you're a college basketball fan, you know, watching the players sort of move to the next level, see where they fit, see what they can do. Um, I'd say that the NBA playoffs are bigger, but obviously, you know, it doesn't have as much of the college tie. But uh, yeah, so, you know, first things first, NBA draft last night. Uh, big night. There's always a lot of excitement. It was kind of a... Uh, interesting yeah you know an interesting layout uh i would say i i don't think it's good or bad or it means anything um necessarily but very international flavor uh to the draft if you did tune in um certainly in in the second round which tends to be the um the tradition i guess but you know you have players from croatia serbia germany france china um yeah, Chinese player back in uh, center, uh, Wing Shilin, I guess. Don't know much about him, but the Grizzlies took him, and uh, maybe he can uh, step in into that Yao Ming role, uh, bring back some old some old memories. But um, but anyway, let, let's dive into this action. Tons to talk about. To help break it down, we have uh, Ryan Blevins, uh, one of our our writers here at BT Powerhouse. Ryan, how's it going? Not bad, Thomas. Yourself? Doing well, doing well. I'm. Uh, I apologize if I am slow uh, of hearing today. Uh, went to see GNR last night in Detroit. That was awesome, but um, the hearing is still still pretty damaged. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, uh, I I saw the. I heard it was a great show, by the way. But I uh, I saw the truck outside. I was actually at the Tigers game yesterday. Exciting finish for the Tigers yesterday. So swept the Mariners. So I am. Uh, I'm a little behind also, but uh, definitely hearing is probably not imp- as impaired as yours is. <laughs> Certainly, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a great show. I won't go on too long about them because I know this isn't a music uh, podcast here, but uh, just really fun, really cool to see. Uh, I was excited. Um, great crowd in Fort Field, which is a a rarity when you consider the Lions play there. But um, <laughs> oh, don't, don't get me started. Got to get my lion shot in there, but um, but yeah, let let let's move on. Let's jump into this NBA draft uh, action. Tons to talk about today. Um, let's start with your overall impressions um, before we get into the big sense, Big Ten stuff. Did anything stand out to you? Uh, was there anything that kind of surprised you? Um, and and certainly, you know, the the first couple of picks seemed like they were already locked in before draft night. But was there anything that stood out to you? 
Um, as a draft overall, obviously, like they have set the record for international players, which is crazy. Um, somehow, Son Maker slipped into the top ten. I'm up here in Canada, and Son Maker is a pretty big deal up here. But I mean, this is that was a guy that like, was we weren't even sure that he was going to be draft eligible, and not a lot of people have seen him play. So uh, the mm-hmm. fact that he got into the top ten, I was thinking, you know, bottom first, maybe even second, and I don't know, that just surprised me. And uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a, a weird draft, an exciting draft, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get talking about it. Yeah, I agree. You know, before before you got on, I was talking a little bit about how it had a very international flavor, um, which is good, bad, or different, you know, however you want to spin it. But um, there definitely were a lot of international players taken, which is kind of exciting. Um, certainly as we move into the Summer Olympics, uh, which is probably a topic for another day, but it seems like the, the international basketball continues to improve. So that's kind of exciting. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, jumping in here um, into the Big Ten, I believe six Big Ten players were drafted last night, uh, two in the first round, four in the second round. Um, Let's start with the the first round guys. Um, Well, you know what? Let's start with, first off, you know, six picks or six players drafted, two in the first round, four in the second round. Um, Was that a good night for the Big Ten? Was it so-so? Any thoughts on the overall Big Ten performance? Well, we kind of touched on this in our, uh, ra- our roundtable piece that uh, went out before the draft. I know uh, myself and, and you uh, participated in that. I thought six was right around the number that the Big Ten was going to hit. I know you, you if from what I recall, thought, thought a little bit more. Um, I don't think it was a bad night, just like you said. It, it had a real international flavor to the draft. So, you know, that it was just kind of the trend of where the draft went. So I don't think it was a bad night especially comparatively to some of the other conferences. Um, and I, I think it was just about right on par with with the talent level that was in the Big Ten this year and for the players that came out. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I don't think it was a bad night. Um, I do think it was a little bit disappointing. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because uh, I think the Big Ten should have gotten more than two guys in the first round. To me, that's the thing because – I go on through this rant multiple times a year on this podcast, but, you know, the difference between the first and the second round is just massive in the NBA. Uh, you know, you get a guaranteed deal in the first round, Tip, you know, mm-hmm. almost, you know, 99% of the time you're that team's biggest prospect coming in that year, which means they're going to have to invest resources in you. Um, it's just the second round picks more often than not are just complete shots in the dark. So I, you know, they're meaningful. You know, it's nice to get picked. Some of those guys, you know, Draymond Green is a perfect example of a guy who made an impact. But more often than not, those are the guys who are in three years and then they're either overseas or in the D-League. Um, not to talk them down or anything, but, you know, it's, well, absolutely. it's, 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 it's tough, you know. Well, I mean, and, and the fact that you say that the, the Big Ten deserve more first-round players, I mean, I know we'll get into the second-round guys later, but realistically, I mean, it could easily just have been reversed to four guys in the first round and two in the second round. I mean, you look at Deontay mm-hmm. Davis went right the, the the first pick in the second round. And then personally, I thought Diamond Stone had the talent to go right at the end of that uh, first round, especially when you look at the teams that picked down there and even look at the, the positions that were run down there. I mean, from 23 down, um, lots of centers and power forwards that went. 
Um, so I thought, um, you know, he was talented enough to be a first-round pick. Same with A.J. Hammond, another guy who went the second round. So it just as, uh, just as easily could have been, you know, four and two uh, rather than two oh. and four. Oh, yeah. I mean, perfect example is, of this is, you know, Damian Jones from Vanderbilt gets picked 30th mm-hmm. by Golden State. Um mm-hmm. I understand, you know, about NBA is different than college, but AJ Hammonds destroyed him. Uh, oh <laughs> last yeah, year. and it, oh, it's yeah. just kind of it's just kind of funny. I I understand that, you know, players project differently. You know, this happens all the time. I mean, Trey Burke was a National Player of the Year. He's a so-so player in the NBA now. Victor Oladipo, you know, outstanding college player, so-so. Well, he he's good, but you know he's not an all-star. You know, mega. Well, we'll see what he does now with OKC. But, um, I think he's going to be a good fit, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So but, I, I, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but it you know I know, understand it's different, but it just shocks me that somebody would watch those two guys, having watched a lot of games from both of them. Oh yeah, and think Damian Jones is a better player. Were, were were stars. Mm-hmm. I just to me not to. T- like Hammonds was just as good, if not better than those guys. And to see him slide down uh, to 46 to Dallas was, it's just, it's just kind of disappointing when you see guys in the same position getting picked above, you know, international guys, I understand because frankly, you know, we as, you know, American or Canadian basketball fans don't see a ton of them. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're not on TV. so no. <laughs> Well, but, um, and, yeah, that's, and, and, the, and that's like what I was saying when, when you say position. I mean, you look at 23, uh, the Celtics drafted a foreign center. You go down 25, uh, the Clippers drafted a uh, Johnson, a power forward. You can go down, down, down. I mean, almost, I, I'd say seven or eight of those guys going down are big men, right? And those that's where Diamond Stone and uh, A.J. Hammers played. Those, those guys easily could have been first-round picks. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, I mean, I guess the overall, you know, not a bad night. And I certainly think, you know, like Deontay Davis is going to make an NBA roster. There's no, like, he's oh, not absolutely. getting caught. <laughs> but, no. um, but it's just one of those things, you know, like, like I, we were talking about a little earlier is it's just teams, they have to invest so much more if you're a first round pick, you're just, it's a different status. Um, and I think it really helps your chances that not your first contract, but your second contract. And I think um, that's kind of a hit for guys like Stone um, and Hammonds to see him drift. I know Hammonds wasn't necessarily projected as a first-round pick, but he was kind of on the borderline. So it's a little disappointing to see him drop. And we'll get to Davis in a little bit, but certainly to see him drop. But uh, overall, I I think it was an okay night for the Big Ten, um, but certainly could have been better as as we both were talking about. But, But with that, why don't we dive into some of the actual picks here. Um, we'll start with the, the first guy off the draft board from the Big Ten, Denzel Valentine. He gets picked up by the Bulls. Um, I believe you wrote a piece earlier this morning on Valentine. I'm not sure if it's posted to the site yet, but talking about how he kind of fits in the Bulls. Um, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, yeah, I did, I did finish that piece, uh, you know, all of us working very hard over there to get all these, uh, these pieces out on a very busy draft night, but, uh, yeah, I, I I like this pick. I actually think, not to say I, I called the pick, but in our in our roundtable, I <laughs> I listed off about two or three teams that I thought I thought he was either you know he, the thing with Valentine is um, he was so wildly projected where you 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 had saw some mock drafts that had him as a lottery pick and you had some that had him going at the end of the first round and anywhere in between. 
So um, mm. it was really interesting to see where he fell. And I thought 14 to the Bulls especially is a really good spot for him um, and a really good fit um, for the team. I mean, he's a very versatile player. And this is a team that just traded away their former MVP and their former star point guard. Um, and, you know, things are kind of looking bleak for the Bulls. They didn't make the playoffs last year. So to to draft a household name, who's also a very talented player, but a guy who, you know, was AP player of the year, they're, they're almost selling their fans hope, saying, listen, we have a uh, a versatile guard who has experience playing the small forward position. He's big. He's long. Um, you know, he, he's he's a winner. Uh, you know, he played under Tom Izzo. They're selling their fans a lot of hope there, saying, you know, we didn't win a lot last year. This guy did. This guy knows how to win. Um, he has won. Um, and, and and he's going to fit well on this team, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to get too off track, you know, trying to break down the Bulls and, you know, what, what they're going to do or want to do with their roster. Um, but, you know, I, I think shipping out Derrick Rose, getting some pieces back, um, I, I'm not sure where they want to go, and I, I think this is a pick kind of showing that they needed to help their, their backcourt a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think Valentine will fit in well. I think he has a high floor. Um, there are certainly going to be concerns. Um, I know myself and you were talking about it earlier this morning, but um, you know how, how is he going to be able to defend at the next level against the more athletic and longer uh, guards and forwards? Um, is he going to be able to get inside without that elite athleticism? They're going to be concerns, but, um, you know, his court vision is excellent. He has an outside shot, uh, you know, great passer. He can rebound. Um, he's got some some strength to him as well. So I, I think he'll fit in well. Um, I'm not sure if he has the, the superstar NBA potential. I know everybody likes to link him with Draymond Green, but um, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm sold on that one. But um, yeah, certainly. That's certainly kind of a tricky like comparison there. there. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's tricky just because, I mean, it, it's an easy comparison because they both went to Michigan State. They're both versatile players who play. I mean, I, I personally, I think Valentine's going to be a guard, but, you know, he they, they, they both played a lot of forward at Michigan State. I mean, that's an easy comparison there. But as far as their games go um, as players, I, I don't see a great comparison there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that Valentine couldn't be as good as Draymond Green, um, but – just just as as they are as players, um, Draymond Green is an excellent defender. I know me and you have discrepancies on what type of defender Denzel Valentine is, um, but 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 regard but regardless of that, um, just 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 how they are as players, I don't I don't see the connection there. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I think the vast majority of the comparison is just because they both came out of East Lansing, you know, obviously, but um. You know, I, I think he has the tools to be a solid player. Um, you know, there's a reason he was drafted in the NBA lottery. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be tough, you know, because he doesn't have that, that raw, raw skill set, I guess. And when I'm talking about that, just the athleticism and that, that length you see from a lot of NBA guys. But, um, you know, he, he's worked his way up at Michigan State, so I, I assume he'll work hard uh, over in Chicago as well. But it'll be interesting to watch him uh, – how he fits there. But, but with that, let's move on to our, our next draft pick, which was kind of a, a surprise, at least for some, um, Michigan's Karis Levert gets picked 20th after for the math, vast majority of the time being projected in the forties. Um, uh, 
easily into the second round. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, do you think it's a good pick? Obviously, he has injury concerns. Um, and do you think he uh, can turn into a star for the Nets? Well, I mean, I certainly hope he could turn into a star for the Nets. Um, he he was a guy who who looked really good in his sophomore season. Um, and then the foot thing just really, really plagued him um, just throughout his entire career. Never really was the same player. But uh, the Nets give up a lot. Well, I wouldn't say a ton. They give up Thaddeus Young to get him um, at 20. Um, and the Nets doctor, I, re- I read something along the lines of the Nets doctor was the guy who, who cleared him uh, to mm-hmm. – or I don't know if it was the guy who did his foot surgery, but he, he was the guy who medically cleared him. Um, so there's that connection there that, you know, they almost had the inside scoop on what was going on with his foot. And, you know, the Nets were getting the information first. So clearly they feel comfortable with this pick. Um, you know, 20 might have just been a reach because they, you know, this is purely speculation, but, the, you know, there could have been rumblings that somebody was going to scoop him at the end of the first round. Um, you know, perhaps a team like Golden State or San Antonio who had the last two picks who don't need a player to, um, you know, impact their team right away um, might have taken Levert. And that's why the Nets wanted to jump on him. Um, the Nets certainly aren't in win-now mode anyway, um, so they can afford to wait on Levert and uh, you know let him get back up to game speed and make sure his foot's healthy, take it slow. Maybe Levert spends some time in the D league. Um, maybe he spends some time on the uh, you know end of the bench, uh, slowly accumulating minutes. But I mean, if that foot is healthy, and uh, I know Levert went out, he published that piece on the Players Tribune, and he says you know he thinks it is. Um, if it is, I mean, star potential there at 20. Uh, I wouldn't say a steal, but, I mean, before his foot injury, he was a guy who was, you know, seen as a lottery pick. So to get him at 20, if he can be the player that, uh, you know, Michigan fans remember in his sophomore season, then I think it's a great pick for that. Yeah, I mean, I we had uh, Joseph Nardone from uh, today's Fast Break on the podcast, uh, I want to say a week or a week and a half ago, um, and we were breaking down some of these prospects, and Karis LeVert was one of those guys where, you know, is his game perfect? No. But from an NBA projection standpoint, um, he is easily a top 10 pick if he's healthy. Like, he he is. Because, I mean, he can do everything. You know, maybe there are concerns about how strong he can get, how great he can be at getting to the net. But, I mean, he has everything else. Um and and the other thing too that I know a lot of people aren't talking about, but he's actually young for his class as well. So he's actually yeah, more yeah. of a he's actually more of a like a junior, like sophomore as junior, somewhere in that range. I'm not sure on his age offhand, but um, so it's yeah, not so like I do they're drafting. That, though, he's a young junior. Mm-hmm. So they're not drafting, you know, a uh, a four a typical four year senior either. So you have that kind of extra bonus. Um, it's just the injury, you know, and they, the Nets clearly had the inside information regarding his health, um, or at least the best info you're going to get. And, um, you know, I, I you can't fault the pick. You know, if, if they have that information and that's what they're being provided with, um, I don't know how you could go against it. I mean, <laughs> uh, but um, he, he, has, he has insane talent. Um, and frankly, like, even at 20, I think he's a bargain if he's healthy and he can play, obviously. But um, I like the pick. I, I think it was – he was deserving to go there. 
Um, you know, and now the question will just be, you know, how fast can he heal? How fast can he develop? Um, because I, I do think he has a lot of potential um, once he starts to make his impact at the next level. But, um, but yeah, yeah, with him, let, let's jump into our, our second round picks here. Um, let's start with Deontay Davis, uh, widely projected as a lottery pick. Um, some people, I think, even had him in the top ten, and he falls out of the first round, gets picked by the Grizzlies at 31. Um, how shocked were you to see him drop this far? And not only was I shocked to see him drop that far, going back to Karis, I was surprised that Karis LeVert uh, went before Deontay Davis. I mean, um, you take a Big Ten guy who barely played any games, goes 20. Um, you take a guy, even though Deontay Davis didn't average a ton of minutes this year, I mean, that was kind of just a product of the log jam they had at Michigan State. It really wasn't any fault of his own. And, uh, and you know, he slips all the way down past past the first round. But really when Davis came out, um, I know personally – I just kind of thought he was a guy who I didn't really think was going to declare um, just because he didn't get a lot of time. And like I said, that wasn't his fault really, but, you know, I thought he definitely could have benefited. I, I know he was a, a highly regarded, um, you know, prospect coming out of high school, but he didn't really get that time uh, on the court on a very experienced Michigan state team. Um, so to see him come out, I was surprised. And then, when all these mock drafts were coming out and had him, you know, top 10, top 15, I saw some that even had him top five or, you know, in the top five best players available, but going in the top 10, what, what be it, you know, I was really shocked to see that saying, yeah, obviously they're, you know, it's all projecting off potential and yeah, he has great potential as a player. He could be a star and one of the best players out of this draft taken in the second round for all we know, but, you know, for what we saw on the court at Michigan State, we didn't see a whole lot. I mean, if he was producing at a first-round level, he probably would have seen more minutes and he would have worked his way out of that logjam uh, in Tom Izzo's rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it really surprised me to see him drop that far, I guess, to start out. <laughs> um, because, you know, when you have a guy projected as a lottery pick, uh to fall to the second round is pretty massive. Um, it's not unprecedented, obviously, but it's it's not something you see all, very often. Um, however, I mean, the big question you're going to get now, and certainly from the Spartan fan base, is going to be, oh, well, did he make the right decision? Should he have come back so he could have got drafted higher? Um, I think you have to wonder that. Um and it's something I, I think we can get into in a little more detail later and talk about it with, you know, some of the guys who didn't get picked at all. But, um, you know, if you're Davis, as we talked about, you're not going to get cut. You're going to make a roster. Even if Memphis doesn't want you, they will trade you to somewhere else because there is a team that wants Deontay Davis. I'll say that. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I do wonder um, if it hurt him, which – you know, I, I don't want to get too far into this again because you get too much in the NBA stuff, which is kind of a its own world. But um, he didn't work out for a lot of people, at least from what I was reading and what I saw. I could be wrong. Um, I know he was at the combine and stuff, but a lot of times you see this with these top guys where they don't work out for a lot of teams, um, thinking that they're going to be drafted by you know like one of the top five teams or something, and. Once they, like, miss that group of teams, they haven't worked out for anybody, so nobody wants to take them because they don't know how good they are. Um, 
doesn't always happen that way, but you know, I do wonder if that if he would have worked out for more of the lower teams, which um, you know maybe he did work out for some of those teams, and I just didn't see it. But I do wonder if that would have sort of eased the fall, and he would have gone in the twenties instead of going thirty first to to Memphis. But overall, you know, he has the raw skill set to be a really good player in the NBA. Um, it's going to be a concern because he's not even close to his full potential, you know, how much he improves. I know, um, you know, he's a local kid out of Michigan. I know he worked really hard uh, to develop and, and get to Michigan state and do what he did there. But, um, you know, it's going to be a tough road ahead for him, you know, certainly not with all of the the extra perks of being a lottery pick, but um, you know, Memphis, they, they've developed a lot of good big men. If he, if he does end up staying there, um, and uh, maybe he'll be the next the next one in the in the chain, but um, but yeah, let let's hit on a couple of these other ones real quick. Um, I personally I, I don't think there's a lot to make of these guys. All three were projected to get drafted in the near the uh, middle to well, they were projected in the second round. I guess I'll just say um, Jake Lehman gets drafted by Portland. Uh, Diamond Stone gets drafted. Well, I should start with Stone, I guess. Stone gets drafted by the Clippers at 40. Hammonds get drafted by Dallas at 46. And then Lehman gets drafted at 47 by Portland. Um, any big thoughts on these three? Um, or are they all just kind of in the same boat where they're they're just going to have to prove their worth over the summer league? Yeah. Um, Stone, look, I, I touched on Stone a little bit earlier. Um, like I said, I thought he was a guy who could have been at the end of the First round, uh, definitely talented. Maybe could have benefited from another year in in college, but a lot of these freshman guys could. Um, that's just kind of the nature of the one and done. Um, as far as AJ Hammonds goes, I know you touched on him a little bit earlier. Um, kind of disappointed to see such a dominant college player, um, you know, in, in a big time conference go this low. But um, for Hammonds, with me just as a player, um, and not to bash on the guy too much, but you know, there were times for me where um, he he just disappeared a bit on the court. Um, looked uh, like he didn't want to be there, um, or you know, there the, the were laziness issues to me. It seemed like, and you know, I, I've never met the guy. I don't want to judge the guy's work 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 ethic, but uh, you know, you know, there were just times where it, it seemed like he wasn't reaching his full potential on the court, and there were other times where it looked like he was exceeding his full potential at the court on the court. So if he is that full potential player for Dallas. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a steal in the second round. But if he is a guy who disappears in stretches, he's going to be a guy who's going to get, you know, lost in the D League. And, you know, we may not hear about him for, you know, he might just be one of the greatest, uh, you know, Boilermaker basketball players, and that that's it. Um, and, you know, and same, same for Lehman, um, just a guy who was projected second round, um, guy who's going to have to work his way up through the D League, going to have to play really well in – uh, summer league, and you know he, he's probably not going to get cut, but his path to the NBA is going to be a little more uh, difficult, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I I think one of the things again, just to stress, I I hate to keep berating this point here, but um, you know, there's not a lot of big time elite talent in the second round. That's just I again, I know Draymond Green did it um a couple years ago, but he is very much the exception to the rule. Usually, I mean, there are 30 second-round picks, and the vast, the vast majority aren't even in the NBA. 
a couple years down the road. You know, it's a, it's a tough spot because the NBA rosters are just frankly so small. Um, you know, it, it's tough to make the cut, but um, I think AJ Hammonds has a good route. And the reason I, I think that is because he has such a high floor. I think he's going to come in ready from day one. I think he'll be able to step into a team and not be a star or anything, but I think he's going to provide valuable bench minutes from day one, which, you know, a lot of these guys can't do, you know, we were talking about Davis. Davis is not ready for the NBA from day one. You know, maybe he gets there by the start of the season, I guess. But, um, you know, if he's like how he was, you know, in March of last season or anything close to that, he's not going to be ready. He's probably a year or two away from being a potential impact player. Now, granted, his ceiling is much higher, and he has the chance to become a legitimate star, but A.J. Hammonds is going to be a solid role player. I think he can be a solid role player right away. Um, and I, maybe I'm obviously higher on Hammonds than a lot of people, but um, I, I just think when you have a guy that's that big, he has that kind of shot-blocking ability, um, he can rebound the basketball, um, and he does have some, ability, some offensive postgame. I, I just think, you know, teams are going to need a backup big man. And if you can get a guy with the size of him, it's going to be useful. Um, but, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll drop it at that. But I think he's going to yeah, make a roster this year. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say you are definitely definitely higher on Hammonds than I am, definitely higher than a lot of people. <laughs> but uh, not not to bash Hammonds in any way. Like I, like I said, if he lives up to his full potential, he will be everything you said and even more. Um, just based on size, uh, I think he has a little bit more uh, offensive ability than people give him credit for. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said, there were just stretches where he he disappeared. Um, and you know, Purdue is a tough team to you know get minutes on as a big man with Haas and with mm-hmm. uh, Swanigan on that team. So you know it was definitely a, a team where uh, post minutes were were scarce and uh, post touches were scarce. And you know for him to be as dominant as he was. Um, even last season, but, you know, throughout his entire career before those guys were there too, um, it's nothing, you know, it's not no small feat there. So, uh, you know, Hammonds definitely is a, uh, an, could be an underrated player, but, uh, yeah, I think you might be just a, just a tad bit higher on him than I am. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess the reason why I'm so high on him is just because I – I'm just not as sold. You know, a, a lot of people in the NBA draft are always, you know, oh, you got to, you know, you got to draft on potential. You got to draft this guy, his upside. But um, I understand, you know, drafting is difficult. If it was easy, you know, every team would be awesome. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> if it was that easy, everyone would always have the perfect pick. It's not easy. But I think sometimes people, you know, in the second round, and, and this is the point I'm trying to make is that, if you're drafting on potential in the second round, like to me, you there should, if you're a team, unless you have a drastic need that you just have to fill, you, your second round pick should be one of two things. Number one, a guy like Hammonds, who's he played four years in college. He's good to go. You know, he can compete against high level competition and you know what he will provide from day one or just a complete shot in the dark. Like a guy like Levert who was injured. Otherwise he'd be a way higher pick. Other, mm-hmm. I, otherwise, I mean, if you're just taking a so-so guy who could get a little, he could get better, but he probably won't. I mean, what, what's the point? I mean, he's a, he's a second round pick. His ceiling like can't be that high. At least, this is just my perspective. I know. But um, I, I just think from a team perspective, guy, a guy like Hammonds is a great value pick because 
most of these guys in the second round are probably going to make little to no impact two or three years down the line. And I, I don't want to talk them down, you know, I'm sure it, you know, them and their families were super excited last night, but you know, it, it's just the, the harsh reality. And I think um, Hammonds is a guy who I would not be shocked if he played, if he had a relatively long career in the NBA, just because of his size and his shot blocking ability. Um, I, I think that is good enough to get him onto a roster, but, but we'll see. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if I was wrong either, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like you, the, the guys in the second round, anything that you get out of them is almost like bonus, right? You really mm-hmm. strive for that, for that first round um, hit. And you really don't want to, I guess you would, it's a bad way to look at it. You really don't want to mess up that first round pick, but you really want to succeed with that first round pick. And then anything you get in the second round, if you get any production, if you get any bench minutes, if you get any any developmental abilities, um, in the second round, it's almost it's almost like a bonus there. Where, um, you know, if if your first round pick doesn't go well and your second round pick does, then it's it's almost like a safety net. Oh yeah, I agree, and and that's one of the things where it's like, to me, a proven commodity like Hammonds in the second round is just great because, um, you know. So many of these picks, you look at the guy and you're like, ah, well, things go right. And he plays in the D league for a couple of years, you know, maybe he can earn a roster spot. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what are we actually drafting, you know, but yeah. a guy like Hammonds, it's like, he is better than some, at least again, this is my opinion. I think he's better than some backup NBA centers right now. Um, wow. But I'll, I'll leave that debate for another day, I guess. But, um, yeah. Uh, I guess the the last one I haven't hit on the other uh, the other, two Maryland uh, Terp guys uh, drafted in the second round um, stoned uh, the Clippers lame into Portland. Um, I agree. I, I think Stone is definitely going to make the roster. Certainly the Clippers. Uh, you know, if if you follow the NBA closely at all, they have a horrible cap situation. They're going to need like every draft pick to go on their team just because <laughs> they can't they can't afford free agents. Um, unless they've somehow fixed the problem in the last couple of months. Um, so, I mean, I, I would expect he was, he will play a role because um, they just need cheap players behind the stars uh, over there in LA. Um, but uh, Jake Lehman, I think he's going to have a tough road. I agree. I, I think he's probably going to have to earn his way in the summer league um, and in the D league. Um, I'm not sure if Portland has offered him yet, but, um, or how that, if they're actually going to sign him to the roster, but um, it, it'll be a tough road for him. But I think, uh, I think he certainly has a fighting chance. I mean, he wouldn't have been drafted 47 if, if not. Uh, but with that, why don't we jump into a couple of the guys who did not get drafted? Um, I'm trying to think offhand here on <laughs> uh, all the guys who didn't get picked. There are four that pop into mind. Um, and those players are Robert Carter from Maryland, Jared Utah from Iowa, and then the two Hoosiers, Yogi Ferrell and Troy Williams. Um, let's start with, do you think any of these four guys should have been drafted? Um, and then off of that, uh, do you think any of them are actually going to make a roster and make a potential impact on the road? Um, well, I mean, we watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. It's- I think all these guys should have been drafted, but you know, it, 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 like you said, it's tough to get drafted. Um, what are you really drafting in the second round to take one of these guys 
when you could just go ahead and, you know, some of these guys are going to sign as undrafted free agents. Um, I know I was just working on a piece. Um, I know for sure two of these guys that you mentioned have uh, or have reportedly uh, signed with teams. So, you know, their their hoop careers are not over by any means. Um, It's just a little more of a a difficult path. And some guys have done it. Um, You know, these guys are definitely all four. These guys are talented players and some of the Big Ten's best. And the Big Ten is no slouch of a conference. So, uh, you know, I could see I could see um, any real four of these guys making a roster. Um, Farrell, for sure, um, just based off athleticism and ball handling. I know size is not his uh, virtue, but, you know, he, he's one of the Big Ten's best ball handlers and, and most, most athletic players. Um, and same thing with Troy Williams is a, is a crazy athlete. He does have the size and the length, um, you know, Utah can shoot the lights out. So, you know, they, they all have attributes um, that, you know, that, that, that they're strong at, but they, they just aren't the complete package that, you know, that would earn them a, 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 a draft spot, um, but does not mean they can't earn, um, you know, a, a 15th man, a 12th man kind of spot uh, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and for sure these guys could project um, to – to be in the D League somewhere, uh, definitely in, in next season. Yeah, I mean, I you know to start off with, all four of these guys will be playing in the summer league this summer, and they'll all get their opportunity. I mean, it's everybody. You know, my my cousin will be in the summer league this year. <laughs> but um, but uh, I I as a side note, I love summer league basketball. I always rant about this, but it's really fun in the summer to watch those guys yeah. uh, and some of the old watch Big Ten guys, guys who. That look like you know, you look like the, your high school gym. You wonder where these oh, teams yeah. are actually located, and you got one camera uh, angle on NBA TV. You gotta love it. I yeah, and I mean the thing I love about it too is that you get the college guys who are like college stars, but they haven't made it in the NBA, and they like come back, and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. <laughs> yeah. He starts falling yeah. out, and you're like, oh man, like he might actually make a team. But um. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, all four of these guys will play, and all, like that's the beautiful thing is that everybody gets their chance because the summer league teams will add basically anyone. So I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to get their chance to prove themselves on the court. Um, as far as do I think anyone should have been drafted? Uh, I think Utah should have been. I think he has been criminally underrated from the start of this draft process. Uh, not to say he's a perfect player, but. It, it just shocks me, you know, when you have, like, if you watched his college career, which obviously, you know, we both have, but I mean, the guy had such a great skill set. Um, you know, he doesn't have elite athleticism. He'll never, he'll never be able to do that. But I mean, the guy has a great shot. He can drive. Um, he was great at finding teammates and he's a quality rebounder and he can block shots too. So, I mean, I think he has a good skill set and I, I think he deserved a spot. But um, so I guess that answers the second question. I think he has the best shot, spot, uh, shot of making a roster just because of that. Um, the second one, I, I think Carter as well. I think he has a raw skill set a lot of guys don't have. Um, his combination of uh, size and athleticism and post moves, I, I think will earn him a lot of attention. Uh, I believe he already signed a deal with Golden State, at least for the summer. Yep. You know, again, yep. we'll see if he makes the team. I know that Golden State obviously has a, a lot of good players. So, yeah, um, that, that's making, not an easy team to make. <laughs> yeah, so making them could be a little difficult. But I, uh, 
I wouldn't be shocked to see him get into the D league and then picked up out of the D league relatively soon. Um, and then uh, the only other point I wanted to hit on is Yogi Ferrell. I, this is my personal opinion. I don't have any inside, you know, source on this or anything, but I think he's going to play overseas. And the reason I say that is because um, I understand, you know, he has a good handle. I, I think he's good enough that he could get himself onto an NBA roster, but I think he would be like the last guy, you know, that last spot mm-hmm. on the team. And I think he's going to be one of those guys where he keeps getting up, down, up, like, and what I'm saying is like yeah. demoted to the D league, brought back, demoted to, and I think for him, and on the side note of that, I don't think he projects in that situation for a long NBA career. Uh, no. So I, I, I think he'll just say, you know what, I'm just going to play overseas, make my money, um, you know, however long I want to play and come back and, you know, coach or work in business or, you know, whatever he wants to do after that. But um, I, that's, that's my opinion. I, I think that would be the smarter decision for him, unless he really thinks he can make a team, um, which – you know, he may do in the summer league. You know, we'll, we'll see how he performs. But, but well, overall, uh, Farrell, I – Farrell was the guy – sorry to cut you off there. Farrell was the guy. He's, uh, he signed with um, with Brooklyn, right? So he's going to go mm-hmm. join um, Levert and uh, a team who also drafted uh, Isaiah Whitehead. So, you know, this is a team that's looking for guards. Um, you know, not to get too deep into the roster. <laughs> I know they had Jared Jack, who's – you know, they're not sure if he's going to return. This, this is a team who's not in a win-now mode and a team who uh, has a shortage of guards. Um, so, you know, is Farrell going to make an impact on the Brooklyn Nets next season? I would venture to say no. But could he be on their roster? There's a possibility. Could he see the, you know, the, the, the situation, almost a long-term building plan, and say, you know, if I'm not on the roster and I make their D-League team, um, you know, could I stick around because, you know, this is a team that that's going to build and is young and, you know, may not be, you know, very good for a number of years. And I have, you know, I will have more opportunities to make the the roster. Uh, you know, I could see that. But but to your point, you know, very very easily could play in Europe. The reason that a, basketball is a, a great sport is because there's so many opportunities outside of the NBA to make money. And you can, you know, you, you can go and play in so many places, so many countries, and still make um, a good living playing this. Uh, you know, a lot of guys have gone overseas and, and done it, so. Farrell is gonna he's gonna keep playing whether it be in the D League, um, at the end of an NBA bench, uh, overseas wherever it may be, but uh, definitely a possibility I think for him to uh, to stick around at least for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean I I certainly think like I said I I think he has the potential to to kind of earn that last roster spot on a team. Um, it's just one of those things where to me unless he has a firm guarantee that hey you know we're going to keep you out like you're a serious option to earn a roster spot. Um, I think he will, will opt to go overseas, but, but we'll see, you know, who knows. Um, but, um, but with that, I wanted to spin off and, and kind of one, one last bigger, broader topic here. Uh, the big 10 had a handful of guys who declared early, um, meaning that they were not seniors. They hadn't used all their eligibility. Uh, you know, Deontay Davis was one diamond stone was one Robert Carter and, Troy Williams. So you have four guys. I don't think I'm missing anyone, but um, you had four guys who all declared early for the NBA draft. Two of them got selected in the second round and two of them went undrafted. Uh, First off, did they make the right decision? 
Um, second off, is this kind of, do you think this will scare people off in the future? Or, I mean, is it a case by case? Or is there any broader takeaway, I guess, from from these decisions? Um, I don't know if there's a broader takeaway. First of all, if, if there was one, I, I don't think it's going to scare um, scare people away. Um, just because, I mean, I think it's fair to say that uh, I am not and never have been a uh, premium athlete. Okay, I, I, I was never a uh, you know <laughs> top flight uh, future professional athlete talent. But I can imagine when you are, um, or you know when when you're a college player and a prime time college player. Um, they all these guys probably think that they are the best, whether they are or they aren't. Um, so you know it, it's really tough for a guy who is the star at his school um, to you know to to not want that NBA dream. Um, and, and a lot of these guys who are stars at school, Yogi Ferrell is a great example. I mean, not to say that Yogi Ferrell has a big head. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying he has a big head and he thinks he's the greatest and whatnot. That's not what I'm getting at. But Yogi Ferrell was one of the, you know it, it was one of the best players in the Big Ten and one of the best players at, at Indiana, but his game just doesn't exactly profile um, to be a top-level talent in the NBA. Um, so, but it's really hard to, to see that sometimes and to, to see that your game may not transition. Um, and, and for every story of Detroit Williams who declares as a junior and doesn't get drafted, there's a story of you know Ben Simmons who comes out as a freshman and gets taken first overall. So do mm-hmm. I think that these guys are going to shy away from it? Probably not, because I think every all, almost all these guys think they're Ben Simmons, whether they are <laughs> or aren't, is you know that that that's neither here nor there. But um, I I don't think it's gonna gonna you know shy anybody away from from coming out early. Did they make the right decision? Um, possibly, you know, Deontay Davis could, like you said, could still be a talent in the second round, and you know, for. for to all accounts, he was a first rounder up until before last night. I mean, it was almost unanimous that that's what was going to happen. I mean, every, everybody thought it was going to happen. So, you know, to 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 say that they made the right or wrong decision is yet to be determined. Um, but but even even if they don't become NBA talents, could did one or two or three more years in college would that have helped them? You know. Some some might say if they're not an NBA talent now, they won't be next year or two years or three years from now. So it's kind of tough to say were they right and were they wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I I don't think this is going to scare off the guys like Deontay Davis where, you know, they're projected to be a lottery pick. Um, because, you know, if you're projected to go that high, just go. <laughs> yeah, but, pretty um, simple. Yeah, but I, I think uh, – you know, as far as whether these were the right or wrong decisions, um, you know, a, a guy, certainly a guy like Troy Williams, I think he made the quote unquote right decision just because I don't know how much better he could have gotten. I don't know how much mm. it would have helped his chances. So I, I think for him, it's about, you know, taking a shot now and whether it's, you know, trying the NBA or going overseas or whatever, um, you know, earning his living, you know, starting now. But, um, you know, a guy like Davis, to me, he's the one where you really, you know, kind of scratch your head and think, wow, you know, if he had come back, played on what should be a very good Michigan State team, um, and really the only area of need that they have is center for next year. You know, they're a potential Final Four national championship contender if Davis is back. So I, I think you do kind of wonder, wow, you know, if he came back, 
they go to the final four, you know, potentially win the national title. Then he declares, does he slip to, you know, the second round? Probably not, but he's also going to make, you know, probably what hundreds and hundreds of thousands, <laughs> close to a million dollars oh, yeah. this year, I would guess. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, at the, at the same time, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's hard to say, wow, you know, maybe he should have come back to get drafted higher unless he has, um, you know, unless he signs one deal and uh, never does anything and then leaves the league. That's the only scenario I could see where um, it was a mistake. But otherwise, you know, it's hard, it's hard to argue with, with that much money. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just oh, say yeah. that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, o- overall though, I, I think it was a, a decent night for the big 10. You know, as we mentioned, I, I think it could have been better certainly, but um, there, the big 10 will certainly have some guys on next year's rosters, you know, Valentine and Levert setting up to be potentially team building pieces. We'll kind of see what Chicago and Brooklyn do. Uh, neither have been the greatest in the last couple of years, but um, no. <laughs> both <laughs> both should have some some hope to build on, I guess, in the in the coming years. But, but other than that, um, any final thoughts here as as we wrap up our NBA chat? Uh, just excited to uh, to keep keep things rolling on uh, BT Powerhouse. I know I got a couple things uh, that we're working on. We're getting back into our regular schedule here, so. Uh, to see that going and uh, counting down the days till college basketball season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cannot wait for the, for the fall. You know, college football, college basketball. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So looking forward to that. But uh, but Ryan, uh, thanks for coming on and joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks. Um, as a reminder to everyone, that was uh, Ryan Blevins. Um, he's a writer on BT Powerhouse. I believe he has a couple pieces up on the the front page right now. Um, And speaking of that, we have a ton of NBA draft coverage right now all across our site. If you are interested in any player who's been drafted or or I think we have profiles on most of the guys who even weren't drafted um, but will probably be on summer league teams, um, I encourage you to go check out the site. I think uh, there's a lot of stuff worth checking out. But, But other than that, um, everyone, enjoy your weekends. Um, I'll be working on getting my hearing back uh, from Guns N' Roses last night. <laughs> but um, but uh, other than that, um, again, my name is Thomas Bendit. You can check me out on Twitter at tbendit, and we'll look forward to uh, the next podcast here. <laughs>